Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Okay, so I need your help this morning. Loosen up your hands a little bit. Okay, here's what you're going to do. I want you to interlace your fingers like such. Okay? Then fold your hands together. Now, those of you who grew up in Sunday school, you know this one. This is the church, this is the steeple, open the doors, and there's all the people. See, you knew that. (laughs) Last weekend, we started looking at the church, uh, particularly the first century church, and the phenomenal growth and the sense of community that was evident in that great gathering of people, and the impact that it had on on their community. That so much so that even those who were not a part of the church family, even those who, who had no buy-in to what was going on, had to admire this group of people. They had to admit there's something different here. And the essential ingredients and the characteristics of that church had to do with the way that they cared for and served each other. We pick up the story this morning a few months down the road. Acts chapter 6. In those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against those in the Aramaic-speaking community because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parnit. You know, I practice these all week. (laughs) Hermanus and Nicholas from Antioch. He had an easy name. A A convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread... The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The church had a problem. (laughs) Wasn't the first problem they ever had and it wasn't going to be the last. But the church had a problem. How in the world were they going to continue to care in the way that they had at the beginning as things started to grow and things started to get out of hand? How were they going to be able to keep doing what it is that God had called them to do? How was it that we're going to be able to continue to love each other and to share with each other and to care for each other as things just began to grow exponentially? And the key to it is what they discovered was, and it's actually a rediscovery of something very, very important to the Christian faith. It's called servanthood. And I want to talk this morning a little bit about that. Because I think even to this day, the church that serves is a church that has an impact. The church where love is expressed in tangible ways, both within the church community and outside into the community at large, determines the effectiveness and the power of that church. So I want to talk this morning about servanthood, talk about ministry, and four convictions that I absolutely have about this whole concept of servanthood and ministry, and they are foundational to who we are as a church here at Northgate. And I want you to follow along with me if you would. The first conviction is this, that every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. Ministry is the norm for every Christ follower. It is not optional. It is not just for a select few. It is not only for the highly qualified and trained. 
we are told in Scripture that every believer is a minister. Look at the example in Acts chapter 2. It says all the believers shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Continues on chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of his possessions were his own, but he shared everything they had. There was a spontaneous spirit of serving and sharing and caring and loving. And that is the norm. That is what every Christ follower is called to. Spiritual maturity is not an amount of knowledge you have in your head about the Bible. It is the way in which you apply that in your life. It is seen in the way that you serve because Jesus himself said he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life. He says that's the norm, folks. And sadly, in most organizations and in most churches, the rule of thumb is usually, and and this is if things are going really well, 20% of the people end up doing 80% of the work. And that's just not, that's not acceptable. Would you write this down on your outline there? Would you write this down? I am called to minister. That, write this down. I am called to serve. Because ministry just means serving. <laughs> it's just a fancy word. I know you hear the word minister and that sounds like, well, somebody who's very authoritative, somebody who's influential, somebody who's very, very important. You hear the word servant, and that's just, that's menial, that's insignificant, that's unimportant. But the truth is they are one and the same. Every believer is called to serve. And as the church grew, the needs within the church continued to grow. And that's what happened. And their strength, what had been the strength of that early church, threatened to become its downfall. Because things were getting out of hand. And so in Acts chapter 6, we read that the Hellenistic Jews among them complained that the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. There was an incredible thing happening here. People were giving and sharing and and, and serving each other, but somehow some were getting preferential treatment. Now, there's no indication that this was deliberate discrimination. It was just that there was a large gathering of people, and and primarily the people who already lived in Jerusalem, they kind of had a support system built in already. But what happened is that the day the church was born was actually one of the feast days and there were people from outside of Jerusalem that were there. So it was a large gathering of people from all different backgrounds and all different um, languages. And and some people were just kind of getting lost in the shuffle. What are they going to do? It was a genuine problem. And whenever the church practices genuine community, there's bound to be problems we're going to encounter. Anytime we commit ourselves to living and serving together in community, there's going to be bumps in the road. And that's what happened here. They simply outgrew their ability to do things the way they'd always been done before. (laughs) That hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Every believer is a minister. And the second conviction that I have, and it comes out here, is that every ministry matters. Every believer is a minister and every ministry matters. When they come up with this problem and they bring it to the 12 apostles, it says the 12 gathered all the believers together and they said, it wouldn't be right for us to give up teaching God's word in order to wait on tables. Now, this isn't ministerial elitism. Okay, they weren't saying we're too good for that stuff. They were simply recognizing that we can't do everything. The apostles had kind of become the bottleneck in the whole process. This thing had outgrown their ability to do what needed to be done. And they simply admitted, we can't do everything. We're good at teaching, but we're not good at administration. (laughs) 
way, way back in the beginnings of Northgate, I made an agreement with this church family. And I said, if you will do the work of the ministry, I will make sure that you are taught and fed. (laughs) That's my strength. That's my gifting. That is what God has called me to do. But don't expect me to do everything. And, And I have found over the years as we have grown, there are more and more things that I have had to give up. And sometimes that's not easy to do because I like being in charge. (laughs) I like having control. And you give it over to somebody else, you've got to take your hands off it. And that's really uncomfortable for me. I'm a type A person, you know. If it's not done exactly the way I think it should be done, it's not being done. That's why I continue to straighten chairs, even in the new building. It's my gift. (laughs) But we can't do everything. And that's all the apostles were saying. We can't do everything. And I've gotten myself into trouble when I've ever began to think that it's all up to me. The truth of the matter is, we all have gifts and talents and abilities. And each of you are to use the gifts and talents that God has given you. You need to know what you can and cannot do well. It's as simple as that. I'm good at this. I'm not so good at that. I want to, on your outlines, we do this in our, in our um, step-up class, part of the journey series. But what I'd like you to do is, with your regular, if you're right-handed, do this with your right hand. If you're left-handed, do this with your left hand. Sign your name on your piece of paper there, okay? Just do it with the hand that's most natural to you. Shouldn't take long. You do know how to spell it, don't you? Okay, now, switch hands and do it with the opposite hand. What did you notice? It took a lot more effort (laughs) and time. It probably felt very, very uncomfortable to you. And the results are lousy. (laughs) That's it. When you try to do something that is outside of your abilities and your gift, it's going to feel uncomfortable to you. It's going to take more time and effort. And the results won't be nearly as good as somebody who is gifted in that thing. And the bottom line is, is that we all have different gifts and different abilities. That's what the Bible teaches. Romans 12, 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but they're all given by the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. It's diversity. Nobody can do everything. And we made it a hallmark of this church from the very beginning that I wasn't going to do all the ministry around here. And right now, as you are sitting in this room, there are probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 50 people out serving in different areas of ministry right now, teaching kids classes, helping in nursery, working with youth. And in fact, on top of all those people who are on board this morning, I would just like to kind of this morning, if you are here as a part of the Northgate family and you are involved in any aspect of ministry here at all, whether it's hands-on help, whether it's usher, greeter, Sound tech, whatever it is. If you are involved in any aspect of ministry here at Northgate, would you just stand up, please? Yeah. Give him a hand, will you? Stay standing. Stay standing. You are the reason Northgate is a healthy, vibrant church. You are the reason. It's not the paid help. It's the people who volunteer of their time and their resources and their energies to serve. Okay, you can sit down. 
Yeah, yeah, give him another hand. Now, if you didn't stand up, we got an opportunity for you. <laughs> didn't mean to put you on the spot, but we're having a ministry fair, as I mentioned earlier, just outside this, in the other room right over here. And there's all kinds of ways that you can get plugged in. Some of you don't know what your gift is. You know what? At least my third conviction. Ministry simply starts with servant hearts. That's where it starts. See, the solution to the problem in the early church was simply this. They needed to find willing people. It was as simple as that. Verse 3, the apostle said, Choose from among you seven men who are respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He said, pick from among yourselves. They didn't say, well, let's send out a search committee and let's see if how many resumes we can collect and let's see who we can hire. They said, no. Pick from among yourselves. And notice the criteria. It's very, very simple. He said, first of all, pick from among you. I believe this. I believe that the needs, the ministry needs of a church family are going to be met from within that church family. If there is a need within this body here, the answer to it is in this body here. And from time to time, I have people come and say, you know what we need around here? <laughs> Those of you who are old-timers, you know what the answer is. <laughs> that sounds like a wonderful ministry. You're it. <laughs> because we determined that we would never start a new ministry without a champion. We don't even need a leader. We just need somebody who has a passion for it who will make sure that it gets going. He said, choose from among yourselves. That's easy enough. And he says, people who are respected. People who are already known by their reputation to be servers. Find the people who are already doing it. Full of the Holy Spirit. Believers. That's all. Just find people who have taken that step of faith. Because God has already gifted them. And with wisdom. Wisdom is simply practical knowledge. Practical experience. Practical skill. That's all wisdom is. It's knowing what to do when it needs to be done. And that was it. That was a criterion. You didn't have to go through seven months of training. You didn't have to study this class and that class. You didn't have to. All you had to do was to be willing to serve. And I believe that is absolutely essential to the church. That ministry and serving starts when there are servant hearts among the people. And whatever your gifts, it doesn't matter. Just serve with your heart. Now, one of the ways we do that around here is we just say, experiment. If you don't know what your gift is, if you don't know where your talents lie, if you don't know, try something. Pick something that looks interesting to you. Pick something that you think you might be able to help out in and get plugged in. That's what the ministry fair is all about. Just find something to try. And you're not signing your life away. We promise. In fact, we always tell people, why don't you give it six months or so? Give it a good try. And then make a decision. If that's not your gift, if that's not your thing, then, then that's okay. We'll let you out. In fact, we'll let you out before six months if it's really that bad. <laughs> but get into something. Because it's all about servant hearts. The key is attitudes. It's the hearts that matter. Romans 12, 7 and 8. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So whatever your gift is, 
Do it with all your heart. 1 Corinthians 15, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Sometimes it's difficult, but it's not useless. Sometimes you're tired and you need a break, but it's not useless. Sometimes you need a sabbatical. Sometimes you need to grow and stretch and be challenged, but it's never useless. That's the promise. Whatever you do, don't stay on the sidelines. Because the last thing is, when everyone serves, everyone benefits. When everyone serves, everybody benefits. Who knew that waiting on tables was going to be so important? Who knew? And yet the results are indisputable. He goes on and he says, because of all of this, so God's word spread. And the number of believers in Jerusalem grew quickly. And also a large number of priests began to obey Jesus' teachings. Just because seven people were willing to wait on tables. And then, that doesn't take much. I could do that. Yeah. You can. That's the point. It doesn't take much. But what you do has an impact that is eternal. That's the way that it works. So much so that even the professional clergy were impressed by it. A great number of priests, were told, began to obey Jesus' teachings. They saw something different here than what their experience had been. They said, man, i got to be a part of that. Everyone is needed. One of my great joys and passions is sailing. And, and I'm, I'm on a crew. Uh, it's not my boat. It's cheaper that way. Uh, <laughs> But, but I crew on but Thursday nights. We have the race season out here. It goes pretty much all summer long from, from daylight savings time till it ends. And, and I'm a part of a crew. And I've been a part of this crew, this particular crew, now this boat that I'm on, for about the last three years. And there was something, anybody who's been a part of a crew or a team or experienced great teamwork, you know this to be the case. When you know what your job is and you know what everybody else's job is and you know that everybody knows what your job is and their job is and you all do it together, it's incredible. It is just an incredible thing. And on a sailboat, you have a helmsman. It's his job to steer the boat. And you have foredeck. That's me. And my job is to set the spinnaker pole and to hoist sails and bring down sails and all that kind of stuff. And there's trimmers and there's grinders and there's tailors and there's tacticians. And the bigger the boat, the more crew you need. But there are times when you are sailing along or you come down to, to the lured mark and you got to drop the spinnaker, raise the jib, get it all in, round the mark, head back up wind, and you got to do it like clockwork. And there are times when it just comes together. And boom, the sail's down, and the person's brought it in, and the other sail's up, and it's brought in, and we make the turn, and we head to weather, and we pass two boats in the process. And you sit there, and you go, woohoo! <laughs> because there's nothing like teamwork when it works. But if one person is missing or one person messes up it slows the whole boat down it throws everything into chaos and we've had a few of those experiences too but anybody who's been a part of a team knows how important it is to be connected with other people and to almost be thinking in the same direction and know what the other guy's going to do and anticipate and work together that's the church. When the church, in, when everyone in the church is serving, everyone benefits from it. 
And there's no greater benefit than the one that you receive knowing that you are making a difference. You are doing something that is contributing to the kingdom of God. You are doing something that is impacting the lives of people for eternity. The payoff from that is incredible. And so I want to encourage you this morning. If you're not involved in ministry, if you don't understand what serving is all about, find out because you're missing out. It's incredible stuff. Scripture gives us a very organic model. Compares it to the human body. In Christ we are one body, Romans 12 says. And each part of the body belongs to all the other parts. 1 Corinthians 12. The Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way that is for the good of all. That's how the church is supposed to operate. One body, many parts, interconnected, interrelated, interdependent. And when that is happening, man, eternity is affected. And I want to encourage you this morning to check out the ministry fair. It might be that you've been involved in ministry in the past and you just got a, kind of got burned out and tired and, and you took a break and that's great. I'm glad that you've had a chance to renew and restore. But get back in the game. It could be you have no idea what your ministry gift is. And you have no idea where your talents lie. Experiment. Try something. And see what God does with you. And it could be that you're here this morning and you are actively involved in ministry and you've been doing it for years now. And to you, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Because you are the reason this church is what it is. Would you bow your heads with me? You may not know your gifts. You may not be involved. You might be taking a break. Or maybe you're just starting to wonder, is what I'm doing making a difference at all? What is most important this morning is your heart. And I would just ask that you would pray with me in closing. Lord, I'm your servant for your use whatever gifts, talents, abilities that you have given to me, I'm available. And then make a determination this morning to find a place to serve. Let's pray. Lord, you designed your church to function as our human bodies. Different parts, different structures, different responsibilities and jobs. But it's all one in you. My prayer for all every one of us this morning that we join together and simply say, Lord, I'm your servant. For your use, in any way that you could use me, I make myself available. I pray, Lord, that you would open up doors of opportunity and let people discover the great joy that there comes in being a part of what you are doing in this world. Move your people to servanthood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.